Let us pray. Dear God, resurrect this sermon so that anything which is dead in us that needs to live can be raised. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen. This is the gospel according to Luke, Luke Powery. <laughs> we are reminded today that the first Christian preachers were women. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told the apostles about the empty tomb and the risen Christ. In God's gender-bender imagination, God saw it fit to call women to be the first to testify to the risen Christ, the fundamental message at the heart of the gospel. Not Peter, not Paul, but Mary. Maybe this is why the Pew Research Center tells us that in the United States, women are more likely than men to say religion is very important in their lives. And they are more likely than men to say they pray daily and attend religious services at least once a week. And they are more likely to outnumber men in the pews, so much so that some clergy have even attempted to change the decor, the music, and worship styles to attract more men back to the church. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord, but women have laid tons of bricks on that foundation to build the church throughout the centuries. The first Christian preachers were women. I mean, they didn't pack out football stadiums and see floods of worshipers rush to the front at the stage to give their hearts to Christ. They weren't full of confidence and faith without questions, so certain about everything. It was Easter morning, but it still felt like Good Friday night. Remember that women in that day were seen as socially unacceptable and viewed as weak and insignificant and frivolous, second-class citizens holding a different economic standing from their male counterparts. I mean, ancient women had every right to start their own Me Too movement. They hit a proverbial glass ceiling, and so many things were closed to them except the tomb of Jesus. It was opened to them first. I remember and, and love what Sojourner Truth says in her famous 1851 address, Ain't I a Woman? She says, that man there says women can't have as much rights as men because Christ wasn't a woman. Well, where did your Christ come from? Where did your Christ come from? From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him, she says. <laughs> Remember, though deemed socially unacceptable, a woman gave birth to the incarnate word of God and was the first to testify to the risen word of God. I mean, this doesn't mean that they were perfect by any means except to be perfectly perplexed in their faith as they saw the empty tomb. Their initial reaction 
was not to do the popular floss dance, but they struggled with belief and were not believed by the apostles either who found their words to be an idle tale, empty chatter, delirious talk from a hair salon. I mean, these guys thought the women were a bit spacey, a little out there from Venus. All of these faithful followers were certifiably uncertain and perfectly imperfect and perplexed. But that seems to be who God calls. To be honest, I remember that I was perplexed when God called me to preach. I am a PK after all, a problem kid, a party kid, a peculiar kid, a preacher's kid. I used to run around the church and knock things over and make up names for people in the church, including the girl who became my wife. And I still make up names sometimes. Some habits are hard to break. But my father never forced any of the children, any of us, to go into the ministry. But when I was in college, the call caught up to me. I was wrestling with my call to preach during my sophomore year, and a pastor mentor and associate dean of the chapel challenged me by saying that if you could go and do anything else, go and do it. <laughs> ah, there was my opportunity to go for the big bucks in the Silicon Valley, my way out toward a lucrative lifestyle, a convertible car driving down the Pacific Coast Highway on the California coast. I still daydream about that sometimes. But the following week after he challenged me to do something else, if I could, I returned to his office and I sat down and I said, I can't do anything else. I mean, you have to understand this morning, my plan was to become a technologically savvy computer engineer for Hewlett Packard. Look where that plan got me, a preacher? Talk about being perplexed. I mean, I ran away from the call. I didn't want to preach, and I know pastors Bruce and Carol would agree with me. Preachers are weird. We are a little special, as they would say. I knew people would think the gospel message is an idle tale, a little out there, as people did with the first Christian preachers. I mean, they were socially unacceptable, perfectly perplexed and extremely short on memory. Remember that when the women see the tomb that is empty, two men in dazzling clothes have to tell them to remember how Jesus told them that he must be handed over to the sinners, be crucified, and then on the third day rise again. After that, then they remembered Christ's words and eventually went to tell others. But at first, these first Christian preachers needed a reminder themselves. We all need help to remember every now and then. These preaching women have a short memory, but this isn't unusual for human beings. I mean, I remember hearing about a couple in their 90s who were both having problems remembering things. And during a, a doctor's checkup, the doctor said that Physically, everything was okay, but that they should probably start writing things down to help them remember. 
So later on that night, the older gentleman, they were, they were watching TV, and he decided to go to the kitchen. And on his way there, he asked his wife, would you like anything from the kitchen? And she says, will you get me a bowl of ice cream? Sure, he says. And then she stopped him. Don't you think you should write it down so you can remember it? No, he says, I can remember it. Well, she said, I'd like some strawberries on top, too. Maybe you should write it down. He said, no, I can remember that. You want a bowl of ice cream, strawberries on top. And then she said, I'd also like to have some whipped cream on it. Okay, I'm certain you're going to forget this. And so write it down, please. As you can imagine, this older gentleman was getting a bit irritated. And he says, I don't need to write it down. I remember you want ice cream with strawberries on top and whipped cream. I got it. And so he walked into the kitchen, and, and about 20 minutes later, he came out of the kitchen, and he went over to his wife, and he handed his wife a plate of bacon and eggs. <laughs> she stared at that plate for a moment, and then she asked, where's my toast? <laughs> toast or a tomb? We have a short memory. I mean, we all have a short memory in light of the, even in light of the long history of the mighty acts of God. It can actually be so easy to forget what God has done and what God has said. We have to be reminded like the women at the tomb were, no matter how faithful we may be. Easter services are a reminder to us because we can so easily forget the first Christian preachers didn't remember. There was a hole in their memory. And there is a hole in our memory too, but that doesn't mean God forgets us. I mean, those who suffer from dementia and forget, like my grandma-in-law, Mar, a lay Methodist woman preacher, have a hole in their memory, and it is real. But our amnesia doesn't control the mind of God. Our limited memory doesn't limit God's memory or love. Our faulty memory, our forgetfulness doesn't hinder the faithfulness of God. Whether we remember or not, the resurrection happens. And the resurrection of Christ is God remembering us, reminding us that we need God and that there's more than meets the eye. There is a hole in our memory. And I mean there is really a hole in our Christian memory. That open hole is an empty tomb. There's a hole in our memory so that it might be filled with the memory of the risen Christ. The hole is a reminder that we have an open mind and heart for an open, empty tomb. The holy hole in our memory brings new meaning to the phrase, nobody's home, because no body is home. He is not here, but has risen. So often, studies reveal how people suffering from memory loss will still remember the songs of faith. And this isn't coincidental. 
because the hole in our memory is the empty tomb of Jesus, echoing, even if faintly, hymns of resurrection. The hole, the empty space in our memory reminds me also that just as the tomb is empty, so often are our lives. But through the power of the Spirit, Jesus makes the tomb empty and comes out so he can fill our emptiness and come in. When a loved one dies and their bedroom is now empty in the house, leaving a hole in the house and in your heart, may it be a reminder of the Easter hope of the empty tomb and the risen Christ. What we often think is a void is not at all. For the hole in our memory or life is the open hole of the empty tomb. A hole doesn't have to be hell. It can be hope, a holy hope, because the empty tomb of Christ is the memory bank of God's never-ending love for us. It's deep. It's wide. It's open, it's free, and it's our future because the open tomb is the womb for our future. Through the resurrection of Christ, God remembers, remembers our future, perplexed preachers and all. Christ's absence at the tomb could be viewed as a lack. But in the case of the risen Lord, it indicates love. Not gone, but loosed everywhere. The eternal, lavish love of God's yes to be with us forever. Love does this. It draws. It binds. It seals. Love remembers. Before he died, Jesus told his disciples at the Last Supper, do this in remembrance of me. Yet now he lives, he lives, showing us that God does resurrection in remembrance of us. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed.